0: Well, leave um have have Joshua open in front of you. That'll be really helpful. And if you if you don't have it, as I said, just feel free to jump up and get a Bible. No issue there at all. Um, there's also in your outline. There is sorry in your bulletin. There's an outline that you can uh, get out. You might want to scribble down some questions or or just some notes, just to help you remember things. Um, we'll have a and A at the end, uh, as, as per usual. I can't can't promise I can answer everything. But uh, we'll give it my best shot, um, and don't forget too. Last week we had our little reading plan that was in the bulletins. So if you missed one, then uh, on the on your way out, on, on actually no, not I put them in the back table, they're at the back table just under the blue notice board there. So grab a reading plan. That, that it'd just be really helpful for you to to keep up with um, what we're doing. We won't look at every single verse um, of the the book of Joshua. So what I'm hoping that you'll do at home is just keep up with the reading. So next week, or for the 8th of May, I'd love you to read Joshua 3 and 4. And if you haven't read Joshua 1 and 2 yet, well now you've got to read Joshua 1, 2, 3 and 4. Uh, (laughs) So do your best to just keep up with that. I think you'll find that um, beneficial and helpful on a Sunday morning. All right. Um, and your Bible's open to Joshua 1. How about we pray and we look at this uh, part of the Bible. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you're a God who makes and keeps promises. And may we find great comfort in that as we hear your word today. Lord, thank you that these words, that even they're so they are written so long ago, they are still relevant to us today because they're from you. And they remind us of the great truths that we find in, in, in your word. So, Lord, we um, pray that you'd help us to concentrate, help me to speak clearly, and, Lord, help um, us to remember and put into practice what we learn. In Jesus' name, amen. So, have you ever, ever been in a situation where uh, you've started a new job and everybody is talking about your predecessor? Now, didn't happen to me, by the way, so rest assured, it's all right, um, but uh, actually it's never happened to me. I've had a number of jobs, but it just hasn't happened. I, let me just imagine the type of thing that could go down. I guess um, comparisons are made. That would be a natural. Um, maybe judgments are made as well. Presumptions are made. There might even be a little bit of gossip. Uh, there might be great rejoicing. Or there might be great mourning. Have you ever been in that situation, starting a new job, and that's what happened? How did you react? How did you go? Of course, if Anthony Albanese gets voted in in a few weeks' time, he's going to have exactly that situation, isn't he? I wonder how he's going to react if he gets in. Joshua had that experience, that very experience. Did you know that uh, in just the first chapter of Joshua, Moses, his predecessor, is mentioned 11 times? 11 times in just one chapter. And then a further 37 times throughout the rest of the book. But then, of course, Moses was a an well, extremely important uh, character in the life of Israel. And the, the rest of the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? It shouldn't surprise us that he's held in this high regard. But let me remind you why. Moses, well, he brought the word of God to a whole generation and subsequent generations. He wrote it down. He had it, they had it in their hands. The first scriptures, you could say. He acted as a mediator for the, for the people when, because of their disobedience of God, they were in danger of being wiped out. He, he led them through the wilderness. He brought them to the edge of the, the promised land. But despite all that he had done, the book of Deuteronomy ends with Moses' funeral. And Joshua opens with this reminder. So Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay, so if you were reading from one to the other, I tell you what, you would not have missed that point. Moses is dead, we've got it. He's dead, we've had his funeral, now we're told again and again, he's dead. Uh, I don't think it could have been any more clear. I think think it must have been an, an almost impossible to imagine life without Moses for the people. A bit like if you're a British citizen, life without Queen Elizabeth II after 70 years on the throne. It's going to be pretty hard if you're someone who appreciates those things. Um, pretty hard. But my servant is dead, says the Lord. It's a very blunt beginning to a book, isn't it? So why the emphasis? Well, it's a reminder to the, to the people of God, actually in every age, that we are not dependent on any leader. While Moses was important, the key to the life of the people of God is God himself. They must depend fully on God, on the God who makes and keeps promises. You see, the hero of Joshua, of the book of Joshua, is not Joshua. Well, who is it? Who's the hero of the book of Joshua? Well, it's God, of course. God's the hero of the book of Joshua. And we mustn't forget that as we read through. Well, before we spend some time, we're just going to spend some time on the first nine verses of chapter one. It's pretty important, these first nine verses. And so, we well, you'll have to read a bit more up uh, during the week as you um, continue our little reading plan. But I want to take a moment just to get us up to speed about on where the book of Joshua lands historically, um, geographically even, and in a literary context as well. So... And we got a bit of this from the video too, so I won't take too long. But after 40 years of uh, wandering in the wilderness, uh, following the exodus out of Egypt, the people of Israel arrived in the plains of Moab. And so here, that's a bit out of focus, sorry, um, there is the plains of Moab and there's the Jordan River. It's very small, but I did the best I could. And there's Canaan and there's Jericho. And that just says promised land, very blurry. Uh, but you can get you get the idea, and so... Just in case you missed it, there's Egypt, Red Sea, and that's called a desert. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so the, 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 the people arrive on the plains of Moab after the 40 years of wandering in the desert. Uh, it's east of the Jordan River. They're instructed by Moses. There's another little little um, uh, map here which might help too. And there's Moab, and there's where they cross the Jordan. There's Jericho. You get a bit of an idea. That's where they go. And that's the same map as you've got on your reading plan if you want to look at it more closely. So he teaches them the law of God, the, he teaches them the word of God, the word of God that they received at Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given. And, and he te- as he teaches them the, the law of God, he teaches them their, its particular relevance... Uh, to the new situation they're about to find themselves in, crossing into the land that God had promised them. And so Deuteronomy 1 verse 5 uh, says, East of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law. Don't forget, Deuteronomy is basically Moses' big sermons to the people. This is preparation to go into the land and and, uh, those promises that God had given them. So it's a vital part of their preparation for the occupation of Canaan. It's part of the land that God had promised them. But Moses was not going to be the person to lead Israel in the land. A new leader had to be appointed. And that leader was Joshua. And so if you have your Bible, but I've actually got it up on the screen there as well, Deuteronomy 31, 1 to 8 fills this out. But let me just pick up on some some verses in that section. I won't read the whole thing. So here's a bit of a taste. In verse 1 of Deuteronomy 31, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. Now skip down a bit. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And out of verse 7, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And we'll get a taste of who that is in a moment. And uh, you must divide it among them as their inheritance. And then, as the book of Deuteronomy closes there is no doubt as to what will happen next. So I've got on the next screen here, if you've got a Bible, flick over a couple pages, uh, Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. That's a reference uh, to, to um, something that happened a few chapters before. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So as we read from Deuteronomy through to Joshua... Well, we're very conscious of this unbroken sequence of the events and purposes. In other words, the story continues. That's what we get. The story continues. It's this passing on the baton, the handing over. This continuity, which I've put in your outline, that key word, this continuity is also brought out in a whole bunch of conversations, and we might call them dialogues, in chapters 1 and 2 of Joshua. Uh, which I hope you'll read the whole thing if you haven't already. These dialogues set the tone for the whole book. They're pretty important. They reach back into Deuteronomy. They reach back into Numbers, and they go back to Exodus. But the original foundation on which these conversations, these dialogues we find in Joshua 1 and 2 are built on is God's promise to Abraham, way back to Genesis chapter 12 and also 15. So I want to read to, you, read to you a bit of Genesis 12, 1 to 3. So what we see getting fulfilled in Genesis, oh sorry, Joshua 1 and 2 goes all the way back to Genesis 12. So the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. Key word, I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, back the plains of Moab, as they're about to cross into the, the promised land, now they're about to enter that land that was promised to them. Now they're about to be, and they're going to do that as a united people, and they will know the blessing of God's presence with them. And there will also be a blessing for those outside of Israel. See, the all peoples will be blessed through you. Rahab and her family are an example of this. It's actually quite key in the the story, uh, Joshua chapter 2. Rahab is an example of God's mission to the world, uh, that all peoples can be blessed through God's promises. And so Rahab is one of those examples. Uh, we're not going to spend much time on Rahab. In fact, that was probably it. Um, <laughs> but you can ever read that later on. And so what we read in Joshua is the moment in the Bible's story when really it's a, it's a temporary fulfillment of God's centuries-old promise to Abraham is about to happen. Remember, God is the God who makes and keeps promises. And we're going to jump ourselves into that very part of the Bible where, where God does that with the Israelite nation as they move into the promised land. That continuity is a major theme of Joshua 1, 1-9. Uh, and if you don't have that open, have it open in front of you. That steady repeti- repetition of um, Moses' name signal- signals for us that continuity of promise. What God called Moses to do in terms of that promise, now Joshua is called to accomplish. So God speaks to Joshua in the opening verses of, that, of this chapter 1. And fundamental to everything he says is his promise of old. It's a threefold theme. And you can see it in your outline. We've got three points. uh, Threefold theme. And it really goes right back to creation, really, through to the promise of Abraham and now again in God's words to Joshua. So God is giving them a place to live. That's our first point. God is giving them, uh, God has created a people to live there. And these people are assured of the presence of God. That's where we're heading. Okay, we're ready to go? Uh, number one, God is giving them a place to live. There's a great line in the, one of, the, of course, the greatest, one of the greatest movies of all time, that is The Castle, where Daryl Kerrigan, of course, he's the main character, uh, he says, it's not a house, it's a... Home. Thank you. Uh, good, bit of a quiet response from 8am this morning. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Um, <laughs> it's not a house, it's a home. Fantastic line in the movie. God is giving his people a home, uh, a place that will be theirs. It's more than just a house, it'll be a home for them, uh, given to them by God. And so, Joshua 1, uh, verse 2, let's read from there. Have your Bibles open. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Now, friends, just pause for a minute. That's a very, very big area. If You get your map out, that's huge, massive. The Israelites don't go anywhere near to, to conquering all that land. Why? Well, if we keep reading our Old Testaments, we find out why. Because of their, la- their, their sinfulness, they disobey God, and they're unfaithful. That's the land that God promises, but they don't go anywhere near near uh, uh, conquering that whole land. It is a land of defined boundaries. It's a land in complete contrast to the 40 years of where they've just been wandering around the desert. There's also a bit of a now and not yet tension, which starts here and continues throughout the book. They, As I said, they don't receive it all at once. Uh, the land needs to be subdued where they set their feet. So, yes, it's theirs, it's given to them, but not yet. They have to respond in faithfulness and obedience to God. And notice, too, this land is not a reward. You see that? It's, it's repeated a few times. It's a gift. It's a gift they are about to be given. And this language reinforces the certainty of the promise and how it will be fulfilled. God will give it to them. God's grace, grace means God's undeserved love for us. We see it fully and and completely on the cross of Christ. God's grace is the origin and driving force of his people's life. We see it right here in Joshua. Uh, Friends, there's nothing we have by right. Everything comes as a gift from God. Let's look at this second overarching theme as part of God's promise. God has created a people to live there. It's clear by the way God speaks to Joshua that God's intentions are for a people, not just individuals. Uh, They're not going into the land just to get a piece of land for themselves, like some you know estate out the back of Mossvale, you're going to have your 1,000 square metre block. Uh, No, 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 this is for a people, this people in fact, these people. Uh, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. The promise is to the nation as a whole. A, a new family drawn together by God made his people and led to his rest land, his land of rest. Now we're going to come back to that term a number of times over the next seven weeks, but it's an important term. This is the land that the people will be at rest with God. And what's more, the, the you or your of verses 3 and 4 are Plural. In fact, we really should should read it, um, use, shouldn't we? Use. But we're, we're very fine speaking people and we won't do that. Uh, although, although Beck told me to say that no, no, it should be you all if you're from Texas or something. Uh, it's plural. God is not just speaking to Joshua. In verses 3 and 4, he's speaking to the whole nation. A people who have been redeemed out of Egypt. A people who have been Disciplined in the wilderness are people that now stand on the borders of their inheritance, their land of rest. The tone of God's speech changes a little in verses 5 to 9. God now addresses Joshua directly. Now, this is not because God's words are more applicable to Joshua than anyone else. No, no, he's simply now the leader of the people. Remember that continuity? It's the same way he spoke to Moses, really. Uh, He must take the lead. But Joshua's courage and authority don't come from his own strength. It, it comes from his trust in God and, his, and God's purposes. It comes from his trust in God's promises under the word of God. All right, finally, this people will be blessed and that blessing will be in the form of God's presence with them. And so have a look at, we'll, we'll pick up a few verses here. Look at verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So this people are assured of the presence of God. But how is this blessing of the presence of God to be enjoyed? I was thinking... uh, a common scene we see on our news programs is families being reunited post COVID. As we come out of COVID, COVID, we, we get all these airport reunions. and they're quite lovely to see. You know, families coming back when they've been separated for two or more years. Uh, they make the, the media love them, they make for great stories. Uh, interviews, you know, with the tears flowing and often a camera shoved in a face between two people hugging. Get it out of their face, really. Or a microphone. How do you feel? How do I feel? I feel great. Um, It's hugs and the crying and the kisses. It's a blessing, to use that word, to be in each other's presence. Now, a question we want to ask then is how is the blessing of being in God's presence how is, how is that to be worked out as the people of God? What does the Bible say here? Well, we go to Joshua. The answer is, is Joshua 1, 7 and 8. But here's the answer in short. How is the blessing of God's presence with his people to be enjoyed? Well, because God is a God who speaks. God is a God who speaks. From the very beginning, God is a God who speaks to his people. And here, he speaks and he speaks to us. So let's look at verse 7. Jumping back there. Joshua 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. I'll just, be, just note, note something very quickly here, then we'll, we'll keep answering that question. But the prosperous and successful, that's always linked to keeping the word of God, uh, meditating on it, um, uh, on our lips, uh, driving us, being the driving force of our life. That's what prosperous and successful means. It doesn't mean being wealthy. It doesn't mean being healthy. It means having the word of God in our hearts and our minds and in, our, bod- in our, our whole being. Okay, so God's people are clearly told relationship with God, knowing him and the blessing of living life with him, in other words, his presence, are available through his word and obedience to it. That's what faith in action looks like. We, we just uh, uh, got a bit of a taste of that as we read Hebrews 11 before. Faith in action, that's what it looks like and it's linked with God's word. Now, without his word, his, his self-revelation, well, we cannot know him. Without his word, without God speaking to us, it's impossible to know what pleases him and what what he requires of his people. Why do we so often fail to obey God's commands? Why? Well, it's because we don't really believe his promises in his word. That's what happens. That's the heart of sinfulness, isn't it? That's what we do. The the two of us go together. Faith leads to obedience. And disobedience is always rooted in distrust. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You hear that? Uh, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. So Joshua, therefore, and the people are told to obey it. They are told to not turn from it. They're told to meditate on it day and night. Now, it doesn't mean that they've they've got their Bible open, they sleep next to it and all that sort of stuff. It's always walking around with them. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that there there is never a moment when whatever decisions have to be made, the book of God, the Bible, is not in the driver's seat. That's what it means. The Bible is in the driver's seat, driving our decisions, helping us make, uh, make choices and so forth. Hearing and obeying go together. And if you're serious about walking with God, uh, that's what it means to be in the presence of God. Hearing the word and obeying the word. You see, we only know that God promises and what God promises because of his word. Without his self-revelation, there would be no knowledge of him or relationship with him. And that, of course, is the greatest blessing that the people of God can have. A relationship with him his presence with us. And as he speaks to us in his word, his word equips us for the present to be strong and courageous. You want to be strong and courageous with God? You read his word and obey it. But also it prepares us for the future. So you want to think about the future and how you cope with that? Big decisions coming up? Well, read his word, meditate on it day and night, let it be the driver's seat, in the driver's seat. But He prepares us for the future, gaining our inheritance, just like the people of God and Joshua, our inheritance, our home, our rest with Jesus forever. You see, Joshua and the people, they face an incredibly daunting task, don't they? You notice too that Joshua doesn't get, you know when you start a new job, you get a few weeks to settle in? Have you ever had that? Ah, just give him a bit of a break, let him settle in. Not with Joshua, man, straight into it. It's the next verse. Uh, um, He's got to cross the Jordan and conquer and and go into war. That's what he's got to do. Our task, well, does not involve conquering or crossing rivers, as far as I know, um, but does involve reaching a hostile culture with the good news of Jesus. So we too must have the word of God on our hands, uh, turning to it, meditating on it, depending on it. God's people needed to know that God is the God who makes and keeps promises. We as God people, if you're a Christian person, we need to know and remember that God is the God who makes promises and keeps promises. I'm going to pray for us and then I'll see if we've got any questions and uh, we'll continue our service. Father, we do thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that you are a God who speaks even from the very, very beginning. You spoke and it came about. Lord, we pray today that we hear your word. We hear you, what, you, what you're saying to us in your word and the Bible. We pray, you tr- we pray that we trust your promises. We thank you that you keep promises. And we thank you for the great comfort that is to us. When so many things are unstable and, and hard to rely on, tricky in life, we know that your promises are clear and we can trust you. Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.